So has anyone ever said this phrase to you? You clean up pretty nice. <laughs> what are they referring to? Well, the last time they saw you, you either came out of the backyard, you're looking pretty grungy, you had dirt all over and you didn't smell real great, or you're just at work and they saw you at a party and you're like, oh, you clean up pretty nice. That is so true, Christians, that just living in this life, we get dirty and in our own sin. We live wayward from God. We don't just naturally love Him and give Him praise every day and follow His commands. We are born into sin and stained by sin and it affects us. And yet when we come to God in Christ, he washes us and he makes us new. And he looks down on us and he goes, you clean up pretty nice. Because it's all his work. And he knows how to clean us. And he knows how to uh, make us a new creation in Christ. And we're going to be talking about that this morning. What's it like to say, wow, before Christ, I was like this. But after Christ and what he did in my life when I gave him my heart and asked him to cleanse it. And what he is doing in my life is, is surely a before and after story that keeps repeating. It keeps getting better. There's new things coming and old stuff is going away. And kind of like I, we were just talking about and praying about, and all of a sudden I'm caring for hurting people instead of running, being self-protective and self-consumed. I actually, I'm caring more. I'm loving more. And we're going to talk about these verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that talk about why being washed and sanctified and justified and being filled with the Holy Spirit makes such a difference in our lives and in our marriages and in our relationships. So we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, if you want to open up there. These verses will be on the screen as well. You know, we took a break last week to really focus in on our partnerships uh, with Forever Found and Zoe, but now we're back thinking again about this unified church now you remember, right? Because if you've ever read 1 Corinthians before, you're like, they were kind of in a world of hurt. I mean, they were, they were messing up. They were, they were struggling. They were divided. They got egos going on. There was arrogance. Paul had to correct that in the early chapters. He had to bring them back to the one message of the cross. It's about Jesus. It's not about that guy or that guy or that teacher or that leader or Peter or Cephas or Paul. It was about Christ. It was about the main message that we have to keep the main message which is Jesus changes lives through repentance. And when he gets the human heart, he cleanses, this and cleanses it and all things can become new. And he had to bring them back to that so they would stay unified on mission. They'd stay unified as brothers and sisters in Christ. They don't critique and judge one another and divide, but that we give grace so that we would have greater unity and greater unity and greater unity. And we'd be a force on this planet for Christ because we're unified and not nitpicking and dividing. And, and then... He deals with some very specific issues where they were struggling again. And it was related to how they were using their bodies. And kind of wanted to remind them that, wow, you know, you used to live a certain way, but now in Christ you live differently. So uh, this first point comes out of uh, verses 9 to 11. Believers are washed, sanctified, and justified. Some pretty big words, right? <laughs> um, maybe sometimes hard to understand or appreciate. So we're going to talk about these. But 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Well, that's quite a description of humanity, right? 
A lot of people like to refer to 1 Corinthians as 1 Californians. <laughs> and you kind of go, yeah, kind of fits. Well, that description is kind of how people just live life, thinking it's like awesome, like being greedy. Why? I get more for myself. That's why. I want to live out sexually any way I want, with anyone I want. Why? Because I like it and I want to. And I'll revile others and tear and verbally abuse them. Why? Because it makes me feel better than them. And they don't deserve to feel better than anyone. And I like to drink. And I like to numb myself out. I like to do that. Why? Because I want to. I need to. I will. Because I'm free. That was like life for the Corinthians. And he wants to remind them. It's like, yeah, well, that's normal before you come to Christ. Once you come to Christ, this amazing thing happens. You're washed. You're sanctified. And you're justified. You now have and can have victory over things that would hold you back. They don't have to be props anymore in your life. Because Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gives you strength. You're a new creation, and new things keep coming. Old things should be leaving because they've been forgiven, and they're not who you are anymore. Isn't that awesome? And so he wants to remind them, like, don't get arrogant and look down at people that are living this way all around you because such were some of you guys. In fact, okay, if those words didn't, you know, didn't describe you. Maybe it's you're an unforgiver, you're a hater, you're impatient, or things you know you should do in loving and reaching out to others and, and meditating on God's word and being prayerful, you're not doing. So it's whether you're doing or what you're not doing, we're all guilty before God. And his point of reminding them of that is that they would continue to live in a way that would bring glory to God and not be trapped and held back by things that are of the world, things that actually define the lifestyle of those that don't know God. We have been washed. Washed. That's a simple concept, isn't it? The other words are a little trickier. That one's not real tricky. You're out working in the yard. You're smelling. You got dirt all over your body. Your wife doesn't want to give you a hug. You need to go get washed. <laughs> your hands are dirty. You're not going to eat your meal. You're going to wash your hands. It's a simple concept. When our lives are stained by sin, we're living apart from God. He calls us to be washed through Christ and be forgiven. He's not trying to beat us up. He's trying to say, well, did you want to live without all the stuff on you? <laughs> Your hairs look better. <laughs> you know, do you like having a twig there? <laughs> you know, like cleaned, washed. You're who I created you to be and more and more. So I'm like, yeah, I want that. And he's reminding them, you used to live in the sin. Now you've been brought out and washed. And look at these verses that we see elsewhere in the New Testament that remind us of the same concept. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Sprinkled clean, washed with pure water of the word, the truth, the promises of God. They're what give us freedom, right? That's what shows us there's a future and we don't have to live in the past or, or stay stuck. But there are some that want to say they're free and clean, and yet, and, and this is what Proverbs says, there are those who are clean in their own eyes but are not washed of their filth. The craziest thing is to think you're washed and everyone else kind of knows you're not. Like, they don't even realize it. So I want to encourage you today, just do an inward search and just say, Lord, where, do I, where have I not been washed of your forgiveness and your grace so that I can be pure and be growing and not playing a game? in my own mind before God. 
And then 1 John says it's all about just confessing. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, what's the word? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want unrighteousness, you won't ask for the cleansing. When you get tired of your unrighteousness, when you get tired of choices that God calls sin or just the lack of control and you want the victory, all you do is turn to God. You don't run from him. You don't deny it. You don't play a spiritual game. You just, you just run to your dad. Now, depending on your father image with your own physical father, that may be hard for you to kind of image in your own mind. No, my dad wasn't available for me. No, my dad would just beat me up on the way in. My dad didn't have time for me. My, okay, well, you'd know that the heavenly father is different than any earthly dad because he's perfect. So when you run to your heavenly father, his arms are always wide open. They're not like this. Where you been? Yeah, well, we'll talk after you bring the trash cans in. Expectation, guilt, condemnation, possibly. The heavenly father always has his arms open, and he's saying, welcome. Come, I, I, I've been literally dying to talk to you. I wanted to just shower you with my love and grace. I wanted you to be clean again and to not have guilt or condemnation or things pulling at you. Do you feel like there are things pulling at your heart or your life and holding you back and holding you down and defining you in ways you know aren't of God? Do you want out? The Lord just says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? A lecture. And you'll need to feel bad and go to your room for a while and then come back. I will talk next time. I'm going to give you a rest. And there's going to be strength for your weariness. And I will be your strength. Pretty awesome, right? Um, here's a way of picturing it. Look at this guy under this waterfall. Okay, I want you to picture that's you. Even if you don't like his shorts, okay? Just try to work with me on this one, okay? There's a lot of force coming down with that water. It's going to keep coming. As long as he stands there, the water's going to keep coming. A lot of volume. I guarantee you, if there was mud on his head or anywhere on his back or body, it's going to be gone in a matter of seconds or minutes, right? Did you ever picture yourself like that before a holy, awesome God in your sin? Do you remember the day when you said, God, I know you love me and I haven't loved you back and I've chased sin and my own agendas in life and I've become dirty in the process. Would you wash me and would you cleanse me from all unrighteousness? I confess to you today. That was the day when that promise came true in Christ for you. And that's a good way to remember what happened to you that day, is that you were washed completely by the powerful, full volume of God's grace and his love and his mercy that Christ purchased on the cross when he took your sin there and took mine there. And now that love and that forgiveness and grace remains in your life. Never to leave. That's always who God is for you and to you. Always. He doesn't shut off his love. Well, dry up. You know, you're going to dry off and dry up for a while because you deserve it because you're choosing your sin. His love and grace is always there. You just have to open yourself up and say, Lord, today I need you to wash me. I know you've washed me of all my sin, past, present, and future. But right now 
I've cho- chosen some stuff. It's like I've chosen to let some barnacles <laughs> attach to me. You ever see those sucker fish on those big whales? I'm letting them hang out on me. <laughs> but they're sucking life from me, and they're not giving anything. And it's an affront to you, and you rip those off. Like, so you say, Lord, just I need to be clean and free again. You take a shower each day, or you wash your hands as many times as they get dirty. Why do we not go to God just that quickly? Lord, that thought was ugly to you. Man, I wanted that person to get in a wreck on the way home. I didn't want him to get the job because I wanted it. I wished something horrible on them. I chose to be vengeful. I am not forgiving that person. I am not walking with you in your word each day. I'm just not. I'm just busy like, I'm apathetic. It's whatever it is. And you just go, Lord, would you wash my hands of that? Just, that's not right before you. Not fearful of what his response is going to be. I should be fearful of the fact that that sin is becoming an attachment and it's, it's, it's part of my clothing now. I mean, it's, it's part of me. It's kind of defining me and it shouldn't. And I need it to be removed in the Lord through, forgive, through confession and forgiveness. He cleanses us again. So it doesn't feel like a burden or a shackle on you. And then he uses this word, sanctified, which means to be set apart for holy purposes. Do you know that day that Christ put the waterfall all over your life and your heart and your sin and cleansed you? He said, now I've bought you at a high price. Now I've chosen you to be mine. And I will love you beyond what you could ever imagine because I'm perfect. And I don't get thrown off when you stumble. And I'm not going to hold things against you. And every time you come for me, you're going to f- come to me, you're going to feel loved and forgiven and gracious. You just have to identify where you're feeling sad so I can bring healing. Where you're feeling burdened so I can lift that. Where you're feeling held back and just blowing it and, and seeing defeat and not victory so I can come and be your strength and my power can be made perfect in your weakness. Sanctified, set apart for his holy purposes. Not living just like the world. Not trying to maximize our lives in the world. We're trying to maximize our calling to be about God's purposes sanctified, set apart for holy purposes. And then justified, to be made or declared righteous. That in Christ we're declared righteous. Look at this verse, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then verse 28, one is justified by, say it with me, by faith apart from Works of the law don't get you there. Works of the law are to show you have a need for the forgiveness. But you don't start performing once you know you're forgiven. You live in grace. That grace is powerful, though. Remember? It's that waterfall. It keeps pouring into your life. It washes your mind and your heart. It gives you new motivations. It rebuilds your passion. It gives you victory where you're feeling defeat. It starts to fill you with a love and a hunger to be in fellowship when you're isolating. It starts to literally change you. And then along the way, and you're stumbling, oh, Lord, this is still, there's redemption. There's forgiveness there. It came to us as a gift. It's always a gift. It's never to be earned. It's never to think, oh, will he do it this time? Of course he will. We just have to keep turning to him. So if you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you've asked him to wash you, he did, and he set you apart to be his very own and for great purposes beyond what you've ever imagined to this day, ever. He says, it'll be beyond that. Not like, oh, sweet, does that mean I'm going to be rich? And Then you're falling back into the world stuff. 
It's like, I want to be loved so much that I love the unlovely. I want to be so full of grace that I give grace where it's undeserved and people think the last thing they deserve from me is grace. And I'm going to give it. I want to be so, so passionate about who God is that when I wake up, I'm ready to go live in the purposes of God and not just thinking about my agenda. Washed, sanctified, justified before God, made right in his eyes. What a way to live. Even when it's hard and even when we stumble because we know our identity in Christ. How does that make you feel to know that because you placed your faith in Christ and received the gift, it was a gift handed to you, all you had to do is say thank you and you unwrapped it into your heart and into your life. And he says, now you're mine. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. Now let's go live. You ready for an adventure? Now let's go live life. Oh, that's going to be really hard next year, but I will be right in the middle of that with you. You'll be in the fire and I'll be right with you in it. What a way to live. And then he says something that just builds. It's awesome. Even beyond this is I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're set apart, but now I'm going to give you an ability that's beyond your own. It's the Holy Spirit of God to live in you. Believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and have and can have and should have self-control. And that's where he goes next because most of the Corinthian culture living out of control. A lot of people in the church living out of control. He wants to remind them, you've been washed, sanctified, and set apart. That's not who you are now. You're a new creation in Christ, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Now remember, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Okay? I knew that. But that's where the power is. Oh, that's what I forgot. So that's where he goes next, starting in verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, for me but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. All that's wrapped up in that last statement. So glorify God in your body. And let's start in verse 12 and verse 13. He gives us this little analogy about food. Food's for the stomach and stomach is for food. So often we can worship food or become worried about food or be controlled by food. Then we kind of know it's not in its rightful place as a simple provision of God to keep us alive, right? We make more of it. We think, oh, but I, it's lawful for me. I'm free to do that. Well, you can be free to make too much of food and it becomes a God over you and it controls you. Or you can view it as it really is and say, okay, it's a provision, but I understand its role. I'm not going to worship it and I'm going to worry about it. I won't be controlled by it, but thank you, Lord, for it. That's the right kind of perspective. And then with that kind of analogy, then he says, and like your body, your body is meant to glorify God, not to be in sexual immoral relationships. If you're not married, you shouldn't be sharing physically, intimately until you're married. You shouldn't be 
joining to a prostitute because remember, your bodies are meant to glorify and reflect God. Your bodies are members of Christ to be united with him in spirit, never to a prostitute or someone else before marriage. You should only unite your body to that one where you're in covenant relationship, a man with a woman in the beauty and design of marriage as God created it to be. And then he reminds us of this too. He says, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. You were bought at a price. This was not a minor thing. You were washed, made new, justified, set apart, your mind forever. Glorify God with your body. So they were stumbling in this area. What did he want to remind them of? They were stumbling here. What did he want to remind them of? It came earlier. You were washed. So if you've stumbled in this area and you go like, wow, that, that was an, that's been an area of weakness. Maybe it is an area of weakness. It's sin. Call it what it is, but confess it to God so that you can be washed of it. It's not that we're defined by our sin. He just wants us to be able to identify it so we can move from it. The culture was full of it, just like our culture. Maybe we even have something on the Corinthian culture. I don't know. But we're, we can live differently because we've been plucked out and made God's very own, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us self-control, so we don't have to keep living that way, which is awesome, right? We can live differently. And because we can live differently and he gives us the power to live differently, we can start glorifying God with our body. This little old body right here you're staring at, the one you're living in right now, the one you're sitting next to, houses God himself. Does that kind of freak you out a little bit? Should make you feel like, um, hmm, I better make sure I'm using this body to glorify him and not cause damage to the reputation, to the kingdom, to myself. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm not my own. I'm the servant of another, the Lord Jesus. Remember when you went to camp and your mom, I remember this, would write my name on the back of my shirt. So when I go to camp and I forget and leave all my stuff all over camp, it would get back to me. For some reason, that embarrassed me. I don't know why. I just thought like, Mom, right? It, it, it identifies me. I don't know. I don't want people to like notice my shirt or I left it somewhere. Who cares? I'll get another shirt. I don't know why. It was weird. But anyway, just thought, you know, What's so cool about knowing the Lord is really my name is Gordy Duncan Jesus. What's my last name? If you work with me on this, Jesus. I'm a Christian, a follower of Christ. I've been marked by Christ. He's my dad forever. That's way more important than Duncan. Gordy Duncan, Jesus. It's on the back of my, not just my shirt. <laughs> it's on the forefront of my heart. It's who I am. I've been bought at a price. I have a great king. I love being a servant, just not always, always. Just sometimes not, but I do, but not always do. Do you ever feel that? I know I do. I'll tell you I do 500 times a day, but sometimes I don't always act like that. So he forgives me, but I still know my identity, and I still know I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and I still know he has great purposes for my life, and I can walk in those if I want to, or I can get caught up in the culture and other things and old sins or think they identify me, or I can say, Lord, wash me again. Here I go again. Why did I do that, Lord? I need my hands washed. Boom. Now I'm back on track again. 
because the Lord just welcomed me into his grace and forgiveness again because I know I can live there and I'm identified by his love and by his grace. What a different way to live. Glorifying God with my body. Glorifying God, what you're doing through your body. So you care for your body. How important is good food? It's important. So you want to be healthy. You should take care of your body. You should exercise once in a while. Why? Because maybe you get really tired when you shouldn't and you're not available to serve someone or love someone and reach out. Oh, I had a long day at work, eight hours. I'm just done. I'm just cooked. Just done. Out. Complete. Well, maybe there's a better way to live or rest or eat or exercise so you're more available to God because what does he want? He wants you to experience the joy of making an impact for him through your body. So yeah, drink a little more water. <laughs> exercise. Eat well. Don't get consumed with your body and don't get consumed with food. Just remember, food's for your stomach, your stomach's for food. Your body's for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is for your body and he wants to use you to make an impact for Christ and he wants to fulfill you as you go. Keep the first things first. It's about the kingdom, it's not about my body, it's not, you know, I don't have to sculpt this five hours a day in the gym and keep my eyes peeled and fixed on that guy who's more ripped than me. I don't have to compare myself with supermodels that are airbrushed and changed and yet, no, I'm going to be the one that actually can accomplish that. I'm not going to, right? You don't have to be that way. That's extreme. But Lord, I want to be available to you and your purposes with my wife, with my kids, with my husband, with my workers, my neighbors. I want to be available. Would you help me with that? And he does help us. And he allows us to walk in his good works. What if this was our prayer each day? as we start our day. Lord, I am available for your purpose, purposes today. Direct me by your Holy Spirit into your purposes, your plans, and the good works that you have prepared in advance for me to do today. What a great prayer. What if you forget to do that at the beginning of the day? Shoot, it's 2 o'clock. I'm in the middle of my day. Now i got all these appointments. Pray it then. Lord, here I go. Kind of got distracted this morning. May I live for your purposes and plans. I make myself available to you. And whatever I run into where you need me to be just like you for that person, for that meeting, for that call, for that person on the highway, that person behind the counter, my neighbor, my spouse, one of my kids, a best friend. Here I am, Lord. Every time I remind you, just say, Lord, I'm available. I want to say yes to you today because your Holy Spirit lives in me. I can glorify you through my body. I'm about to do something really stupid with my body. Lord, give me self-control. I'm about to think something with my mind, which is part of my body. Help have, give me pure thoughts. Oops, I didn't. Forgive me. Help me more and again. <laughs> See how that works? Keep it real. Keep it fresh. There's grace always available. Jesus wants to walk with you moment by moment and empower you. And victory comes more and more. And then lastly, and this is... Uh, first five verses in chapter seven is he gets real specific in the marriage relationship. And if you're not married and you're sitting in this room, pay extra attention. If you're married, pay attention. But if you're not married yet, pay extra attention because one day you'll be married and you want to do it right. And you want to understand what marriage looks like. And he gives a little bit of a description of how servanthood can happen in marriage. First Corinthians seven, verse one, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise 
the wife to her husband, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And all the husbands said, Amen. Right? <laughs> Someone actually did it in first service sitting right over here. They go, Yeah! Okay. Now let's keep this in perspective. This is about servanthood. We're supposed to serve each other's needs gently, sensitively, and sacrificially. Physical needs as well as emotional and spiritual needs. You saw prayer mentioned in there, didn't you? Interesting. Right next to the physical intimate part of a husband and wife relationship? Yeah. You want to know where real intimacy comes? When you're united in Christ and you start praying for each other and you start sharing your heart and your fears and things that you don't usually want to even talk about and you share that with a spouse and you get acceptance and love and understanding. Okay, now when the physical happens, fireworks. The world doesn't know of that. They think, oh no, fireworks is right. Who with whoever you want, whether you're married to them or not. And as often as you want, whatever, oh, just freedom. There's the fireworks. That doesn't even hold a candle. That's not even worthy to mention the same sentence with a couple that's united in Christ at the center, that's sharing each other, serving one another in their lives through love and respect and honor. And when you realize that you can meet their physical needs, you do that. And it even says... You know, there are times where you might abstain from that so for the purpose of prayer, to press in and to pray more specifically for an area. You do that with food. That's what fasting is. You stop eating for a time. It's a pleasure. God gives it to you. It's awesome. But you put the tri-tip aside. <laughs> or you put whatever aside to pray and press in. The same can be true in marriage and in this example of abstaining. But surely... Unless you're, it's agreed upon and not for long because Satan will tempt you and your lack of self-control and you can stumble and fall into sin. What I love about this passage is the fact that there's this, this intimacy that's talked about that comes through servanthood. And I want to talk just briefly about prayer in your relationship. Uh, prayer with friends. So if you're in friendship, but specifically I want to also just say here it's talked about husbands and wives. Husbands are called to be the head of their wives and their home. They're supposed to be the leaders and shepherds. And they're supposed to shepherd and lead at whatever level of sacrifice God calls you to. You're supposed to be a servant leader. So again, if you're not married and you're a guy sitting here, that's what you're going to be called to one day is to be a servant leader like Christ was for the church. And how much did he give up to wash the church and be their Lord and, and God? How much did he give? A gazillion percent. Everything. He didn't hold anything back. Husbands, that's you. You're dating someone and you're the guy. You better be doing it purely and as under the Lord and you better be a great servant because you're showing that girl what you're going to be like later. And girls, you better be looking for that in a guy. And if they're not doing it now, you better like, whoa, pause. They don't even get, they're, I know what they're interested in and that's not really a God. So, eh. okay, but when we're married, the husbands have to step up and pray with their wives. Now, wives, would you love your husband to grab your hand and just pray for, with you about something you're burdened by? 
Would you love them to just, at the end of the night, to just pray with you or pray over you? Would you love them to text you or call you or just remind you that you're loved and they're praying with you and even just pray right then? That'd be awesome if your husband just calls you. I was thinking about you and I was just praying. Can I pray for you right now? And then he prays for 27 minutes with all the highest theological words you can think of. (laughs) That's not what you want. And guys, that's not what they need. Keep it brief. They don't need a theological discourse from your heart to God's heart for them or about your kids or your job situation. And why do we emphasize prayer so much? Because you're inviting the power of the Holy Spirit to bring victory and change, encouragement and healing and wisdom and all the stuff you can't bring in your own strength to your marriage, you can ask God to bring. Hope that you're not having. They're struggling with this. You pray for them. They pray for you. What's been cool is the journey Julie and I have been on, and she's helped me a lot with this, and just say, hey, we should just stop right now and pray. And I'll often think we should just pray. We, we like to pray on a Saturday morning for extended times, but, you know, at night, just kind of with most of the kids out of the house, we're a new stage of life. So after dinner, we'll just chill for a few minutes and read just a devotional together and then pray. And just whoever God puts in our heart, we just pray together. Why? Because prayer's awesome. Because it, it links us together with the purposes of God. We just kind of go back and forth. It doesn't really matter. She had four people in her mind. She prayed for all four of them. She had one. She prayed for one. Then I prayed for one. Then she prayed for three. Then I paused. I guess that was it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Done. Not mechanical. Not long. Not did I do it right, say it right, just from your heart. Husbands, lead your wives in this area and get over the fact, you know, I don't know, just, just start doing it. You don't need to get seven books and go to three seminars. <laughs> Grab her hand and say, can we pray about this? And then after you pick them off the ground, okay, and put smelling salts under their nose. No, I'm kidding. Um, Just pray. Just keep praying and just let it be part of what you do. We were driving to wherever we were driving, and Julie just said, yeah, we should really pray for for that. So we just started praying. And I closed my eyes, and it was awesome, and God still kept us safe. No. (laughs) You can pray with your eyes open. You can pray as you're driving. And then something interrupts you. Cool. Then you deal with that. If the call comes in the text, oh, it was Angie, ba-da-da, or it was Blake, or it was Mandy, or they need this, great. Text them and just get back to prayer. Natural. Part of the flow. You walking with God, with your spouse, with your kids, with God, with your workmate. Hey, that's troubling you right now. Can, you come here? Can I pray for you about that? Or I just wanted you to know I was praying for you about that. Just natural part of life. Like breathing. You don't think about breathing. You just... Needed a breath right then, I took a breath. Needed a prayer right then, I prayed with my spouse. They need to pray with me. They need to remind me. I reminded them, let's do it together, and it's natural. I encourage you guys, you lead in that area and see God all of a sudden build this intimacy spiritually because that's the deepest intimacy. Fireworks in other areas happen, trust me, when you're spiritually true to one another and you're serving each other. You're honoring them. You're showing that you care and you're paying attention to their world. And I need to keep growing in that. And I encourage you to join me as you grow in that role, guys. And wives, let them know how much you appreciate it and respond. And also initiate. Say, I was really praying for you today. Let them know. Send them a text. Let them know. Let them know that you appreciate how hard they're working at their jobs, even though, well, of course they know that. Let them know. Appreciate one another like 
crazy and let them know and thank them and say so and give respect and honor and then pray. You're going to see really awesome things happen in your relationship. And you're going to start to see God using you in other areas of ministry. You just never really thought, wow, how did that happen? Because you're a team for the Lord. Because your walk with the Lord in Him, in your home, where no one else sees, is growing. And then you get out in the world in situations and you're a better team for the Lord. And you're more charged up because you will fall madly in love with your wife and your husband and it just keeps growing. And, and then that guy out in the workplace is different than a guy who's not feeling that toward his wife or toward her husband, right? So, so much happens in a marriage relationship. They were getting a lot of it wrong. Our culture gets a lot of it wrong. People are in bed with each other and they're not married. It's wrong and it's sin before God. They're choosing to do that with someone of their own gender. Horribly wrong and abomination before the Lord. Our culture's getting it really wrong. People in the church can still struggle with that. We need to stop getting it wrong and getting it right. Receive the waterfall of His grace and forgiveness and start living now by the power of the Holy Spirit with more purity and more desire and start seeing God do more. You don't have because you don't ask. That's about prayer. You want to see God do more? Pray more. Show up on a Sunday night five to six as we learn to pray and seek God to revive and stir our hearts up, to break up the follow ground, to give us passion for Jesus. If you're passionate about Christ and you could walk up to me right now and say, I'm just so passionate about Christ, what he's doing, then I'd say, come and pray. You're ready. If you came up to me and say, oh, I'm just really dry right now. I don't know. Just, man, I barely crawl in today. You know, if I told you my world right now, yeah, you wouldn't even believe me. Then I'd say, come and pray. My marriage is the best place ever it's ever been. Really? Really? As, are you guys praying together? Well, you're a great team for the Lord. Would you come and join us to pray as we lift up this community and this church and people's marriages that are just being destroyed by the enemy? He's destroying them through this filth that we're reading about. He's destroying families and homes and workmates and your brother-in-law. And you won't come and pray? When are you going to pray? When am I going to cry those tears and be broken? I need to be more broken, you guys. I, I get broken that I see that. I should be more broken by what's going on in Nepal. I should be more broken with neighbors that don't know the Lord. I should be more broken. I've got a family, a family member who's struggling with homosexuality. I should be more broken over that and pray more. How about you guys? I think it's a calling for all of us together. And I'm not on a platform. I am, so it's a little easier to for teaching. We're in this together. God wants to do more. He wants us to be servants in our closest relationships and then out to a broken world. He says we're washed, sanctified, and justified, and we have the power of the Spirit. We have all we need, and we have each other to do it with. So what do you say? We can hang back and say, oh, not me or not yet. And I think the Lord's saying, oh, no, you now. Because <laughs> he loves you, and he has more in store, and it's blessing. It's not burden. He came to take burdens and replace them with blessing and fruit. Believers are washed, sanctified, and justified. Believers are dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Believers should be servants in our marriage relationship, physical and spiritual needs, being servants there. And then a couple reflection questions, and we'll end here. How does being washed, sanctified, and justified affect the way you follow Christ each day? In what area are you not exhibiting self-controlled as empowered by the Holy Spirit? How can you better serve the physical and spiritual needs of your spouse? 
I think we have plenty to apply. What do you think? Let's just start here. Just say, Lord, let's go. Forgive me where I've fallen. Cleanse me and wash me where I feel dirty. Strengthen me where I feel weak. Lord, we just cry out to you right now. We pour out our hearts to you. No pretending because it's not needed and it doesn't help. You love us right where we are right now. Your love has never changed, even though we may feel distant. Your love is here. You're here. Thank you, Lord, for living in us to remind us of how close you are. You couldn't be closer. You live in us. Jesus, thanks for the washing through redemption in Christ. Thanks for the continual washing that I don't have to live with sin defining me or burdening me or shackling me or holding me back ever another day again. Lord, remind me there's always forgiveness in the present. Always. Always. And I receive that again right now. Lord, thanks for calling me your own. Thanks for making me a pure child of God. Thanks, Lord, that your love is a constant while I am inconstant, inconsistent. You love me still. You have great plans for my future. You have purpose and plans for me to walk into that you already prepared. So thank you for who I am. You've reminded me today. I pray nothing would hold me back from following you wholeheartedly and continuing to learn. You clean up pretty good. Thank you, Jesus, for cleaning us so deeply and filling us so we can bring that same love and grace to others wherever we go in this world, wherever the needs are, we say yes. Thank you, Lord. Receive our worship and our offering and our very hearts as we sing to you now.